This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Right now, literal billions of dollars are going into new satellite constellations that promise ubiquitous connectivity. And it's extremely exciting. I mean, it's a great time to be in this space and to be in space, right? James Kubik is in the room today, raising $2 million for his startup somewhere. He's here to convince the investors that advances happening with satellite networks in space are opening up new business opportunities here on Earth. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch. Our investors today? Phil Nadell. As a serial entrepreneur, Phil built companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. Charles Hudson. Charles is with Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $20 million in over 100 startups to date. Alexandra Stanton. Alexandra is CEO of Empire Global Ventures, and on the side, she likes to do a little angel investing. So far, she's made bets on 15 startups. Jake Chapman. Jake has invested over $10 million in 30 startups, and now he's a partner at Alpha Bridge Ventures. Okay, James is up. So the, the connectivity landscape is changing right now. I mean, we're here in New York. We have fantastic cellular connectivity, right? I mean, this morning I was just walking around. There was Wi-Fi available everywhere, cellular everywhere. But what's interesting is that, you know, cellular is extremely costly to expand outside of urban areas. And so still 50% of the world, 4 billion people, don't have access to consistent connectivity. To us... Connectivity is not valuable in and of itself. Connectivity is valuable because of the applications and services that it enables. So that's where we focus at Somewhere. And at Somewhere, what we're doing is we're giving anyone outside of cellular coverage access to digital essentials, which means communication, navigation, local information. The way we do that is you know, we've built a platform across hardware and software. And so the hardware, is a compact satellite hotspot. It obviously I mean, it fits in my pockets. These are extremely tight pants, the tightest pants I own. Fits in the, fits in the pocket. Well done, James. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, fits in the pocket. And this connects directly to satellite constellations. And so what we do is we build you know, our software to be optimized. It's modern UI optimized for satellite data, essentially. In layman's terms, the somewhere device pairs with your cell phone, effectively turning it into a satellite communication device. You can then open up the Somewhere app on your phone to access things like maps, topography, weather, and to send and receive messages. We went out and we launched a pre-order campaign in April. And in 30 days, we sold over $150,000 of product. Um, just later this summer, we're going to be shipping to customers. It was the idea that I turn the hotspot on when I need it, but otherwise keep it off. And like my naive impression is that satellite data is prohibitively expensive yep, to access. So for an outdoor customer, let's take a backpacker that's going on a five-day trip. They should leave it on the entire time. They don't have to, but they should leave it on the entire time. Because the way that this works is we're using very small packets of data. And so 
you're not having an open stream of IP, right? That's when it gets prohibitively expensive, right? And that's the way that we keep costs down. Could you and give us? You guys for, want to take a look? At yes, this, by the way? Yeah. definitely yeah, want I, to see. Can it. you explain that yeah. a little yeah, bit more? Say, do I have like? Is, is this like a full-on hotspot experience? Like I'm on my, I'm in the middle of the woods watching a YouTube video on my phone. No, no. Okay. So that's not why we built this. We built this for the core essentials that people need in these moments, right? For us in a city, of course, our phone is our, our window to everything in the world. And one day we will be there. I mean, what's happening with Space 2.0 is going to get us to that point. Can you tell me what that means and when that happens? What Space 2.0 really means is that the costs to develop space infrastructure are coming down. And so right now, literal billions of dollars are going into new satellite constellations that promise ubiquitous connectivity. And it's extremely exciting. I mean, it's a great time, especially for us, to be in this space and to be in space, right? And uh, what's interesting is that all these companies are focused on the infrastructure and no one's thinking about the end consumer, the end customer that's actually going to be using this. And so all of that technology, so decreased launch costs and decreased cost of satellites and the ability of those satellites Mm -hmm. are creating new abilities in space. That's Space 2.0. Cool. The technology in somewhere is connected to a huge network in space, but the device itself fits into the palm of your hand. James walks over to the investors to give them a closer look at the gadget. It's gray, shaped like a teardrop. I'm looking at the the hardware right now. There's a little SOS yeah. button there. So yeah. if I get lost on the trail and I, I push that, yep, someone that. will come find me. Exactly. So that taps into a dispatcher that has resources all over the world that can provide a rescue. And that's actually, you know, I, I'll share the, the origins of why I started this. Um, so when I was younger, I lost a friend to a sailing accident. And it was uh, it was a very unfortunate event where she went out. I'm from Chicago. She went out on on uh, Lake Michigan with her dad and her younger sister, and they got separate from the boat. They didn't have any way to call for help, and they never made it back. And so when the boat washed up on shore, there this is the this is the part that always kind of stuck with me. When the boat washed up on shore, they had marine radios, they had a satellite EPIRB, which is essentially a marine grade SOS. It seems like an EPIRB, yeah, totally, exactly. And so. It was this realization for me of those products are designed for emergency, and yet they weren't accessible in that moment. And so what I started working on, I was a product design engineering student at Northwestern, and uh, I started working on this wearable EPIRB, essentially, wearable SOS device that would, you know, give the ability to call for distress anywhere in the world, and it was always with you. It's always on your person. And how does this compare to something like a Gotenna? It's probably the only other thing I can think of that yeah. I've seen that has, at least purports to have similar functionality. So point-to-point communication, that's what Gotenna does. Mm-hmm. What they've done is they've created a device where you pair to your smartphone and you have point-to-point VHF communication. So we have to be within three miles for, for Gotenna. And then uh, you, know, you have to have a piece of hardware. I need to have that piece of hardware. And that's line of sight too, right? Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. What's different about Somewhere is that it doesn't rely on VHF radio, this old-school system that requires specialized radios on both ends. Instead, you can use Somewhere to communicate with people back home on their smartphone. Suddenly, this simple little satellite messaging gizmo sounds pretty groundbreaking. But the investors bring it back down to Earth. So do users buy... Like a 10 megabyte plan or? Yeah. So business model, there's a, for this customer specifically, there's a one-time hardware purchase. Of? Uh, right. So the pre-order was at 300 and then rose to 320. Proposed retail is 350. Okay. And then, so it's a one-time hardware purchase. And then there's going to be uh, the actual data plans. And so there are different data plans depending on how much data you'd like. They range from $15 a month to $50 a month for unlimited. 
James, can you talk a bit about what you perceive to be the size of the market? Yeah, Because absolutely. on some levels, uh, hunters and backpackers going remotely doesn't scream to me 50 million people in the U.S., for example. Totally, so totally. what else are you thinking? And yep, thinking? absolutely. So we think about backpackers, right? And there are 10 million of them in the U.S. So every single year, 10 million people are backcountry camping. And there are specific spots that there are concentrations of them. So the Pacific Crest Trail is on the West Coast. The Appalachian Trail is on the East Coast. And there are a certain number of people that every year dedicate six months, six months of their time to just doing that trail. And we've actually spent a lot of time on the PCT with them. We, we understand those, those customers very well. And every single one of them was like, I, I, I absolutely need this. Is there, is there a primary concern or, or problem that they want to have an SOS button or is it that they want to have the uh, location tracking and the weather and all that? Number one, the primary thing is messaging, is communication with the people back home. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely number one, no question. However, once you get in the door with messaging, in the back of their mind, they're saying, you know, it's nice that I have this SOS button as well. You know, for us, what was really unique, this is a, a true story, um, what was unique is on the, the PCT when we were testing, wildfires broke out. And so no one had visibility into what to do. I mean, trails were literally blocked off because there were fires on the trail. And so people would be, and this is a true story, they were hiking 50 miles through smoke because they didn't, it's very disorienting, right? You, you don't know where the source of the flame is. They would see flames and then they would have to turn back. They didn't know what to do. Whereas our hikers were able to get updates or to get alerts of what's happening with the fire. That is one of those things where once you have an experience like that, you know that having access to consistent connectivity always is, is I mean, you, an essential, right? You have to do it. Let me ask you a question. Have you thought about making these for rent? Was, yeah, I absolutely. I got, because I got to tell you, most people are not quitting their jobs for six months and hiking anything. Of course. They're going once a year. Of course. Max twice. Of course. And just as if I go to Europe, I up my plan on my phone to be able to be connected 24-7 in yep. Europe, whatever it is. I need that bump as opposed to permanent plan for a year, which yep. I don't need. A hundred percent. I love where your head's at. And it's part of the business model that we're thinking in the future we can test out. And the way that we're viewing that is more of a B2B2C, not a direct rental to customers where we partner with trip providers, right? So you show up at Yosemite, yeah. you get your permit. And at the place where you get your permit, it's called it's the Wilderness Center, you can pick up a somewhere hotspot. James is on a roll. He's actually encouraging the investors when they ask the right questions about his business. But founders pitching hardware face one notorious stumbling block. And that is, how much does it actually cost to make the thing? What, what is your margin on the hardware at 350 retail? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so at, at 300 is kind of where we, where we started saying, okay, if we're gonna, if we're gonna sell this pre-order at 300, then we need to price it that way. And then anything above that is great. Uh, so at 300 right now, we're at about 40% and we're looking to improve that over time. I mean, as I'm sure you guys know, any hardware business that starts out, I mean, for, we're actually really proud of 40. <laughs> and what about on the monthly plan? Yeah, about 40% as well. 40%. Okay. Yeah. And how much money have you raised so far? Yeah, so uh, we initially went through an accelerator called Highway One. Um, and then after that accelerator, we put together an angel round. So total, we've raised a little bit less than $500,000. Um, and we have built everything across hardware, firmware, and software. That's impressive. That is, this is super okay. impressive for $500,000. Yeah. yeah. What, was, uh, what was the valuation that you raised at? It was a 5 million cap. 
Yeah, and I, I prom- I, if you find a company that's been able to get to this fidelity with less money, please let me know. I'd love to have a conversation with them. <laughs> let me ask you a question. So I'm a hiker, sure. backpacker, and I would say I hike for you know two or three weeks out of the year. Um, your plans are monthly, mm-hmm. right? Can I turn them off yep. every, anytime? You, you can. can turn it on just when I hike? Yeah, so when you turn it on, then you're going to be charged for another month. Right, so so anytime that you activate, it's going to be a monthly charge, uh-huh. and then you can cancel. Okay, so and, that, and we don't we don't cancel; you suspend. Right. Right. I guess my concern with that is it really limits your recurring revenue as opposed to like a mobile, you know, regular mobile phone plan. Do you anticipate only offering annual plans at some point? Not to consumers. Um, to consumers, we want to offer that flexibility. Where we see more predictable revenue coming in is as we open up enterprise uh, channels. That, those are the customers that absolutely need 12 months of data. And so what we want to do is essentially have predictability in our enterprise channels and have annual plans that fit their needs better and then offer the monthly plans to consumers. Based on that type of um, erratic revenue stream or unpredictable revenue stream for the consumer channel, I'm going to pass. Sure. But thank you. Phil is out. But James still has three other investors on the line. Can you talk a bit after the whatever the, however we're just defining outdoor recreation? Yeah, yeah. What's next market-wise? What's next? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great question. Now, when we launched our pre-order, every single moment of marketing was targeted at the outdoor customer. Zero was targeted at enterprise, right? However, I was still getting inbound from all different sorts of enterprises, from the military, government agencies, fire departments, the the main opportunity that we're not even going to wait to start pursuing because we've already had enough inbound interest is search and rescue and the emergency responder market. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's something where our functionality fits them perfectly. There's no reason to What's wait. What's the size that. of that market? It's a good question. That is, it's really hard to define. I'll give you one statistic that I found very interesting. Um, in the U.S., there are uh, 52,000 fire departments and there are about 100 firefighters per department. I worry that your initial acquirers are going to be end up sticking it in the drawer and not using it and canceling because I ultimately think this is something you rent episodically and that has a higher volume of usage for you than um, someone who buys it and does an annual plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I want us to be in touch and I want to watch. Cool. Um, I'm going to pass for right now. Sure. Alexandra is out. Here's Charles. I think I'm going to pass, but it's a tough one. Uh, my only concern is I actually think you'll get people to sign up for annual plans. I think you'll be fine there. For me, it's just the velocity. I don't have a sense of the velocity. Like, I think you convinced me that there's an opportunity to get six digits worth of people eventually. I just don't, I don't have a sense for how quickly you can get there. Mm-hmm. And like, that's that's my concern. And so like, I feel like I can see the two endpoints on the line, but I have no idea about the, the distance, sort of the time distance between them. Okay. With three investors out, Jake is James' last chance for investment today. 
You said you're raising two million. What's the what are the terms of the current round? So I haven't set the terms. Uh, we're looking for a strong lead that we can help. You know, come to a mutual agreement on what's a fair valuation and, and what should those terms be. Okay. Why don't you uh, name name your price then? <laughs> yeah, you know, every deal is a, is a every company is a good investment at the right price. Sure. Um. <laughs> That's not even true. What? I mean, if you're going to sell me 5% of your company for $1,000, almost every time I'd take that deal. <laughs> Wait until you hear about my company. <laughs> well, not your company, Phil. I, I mean, know. almost anybody else. Um, wow, okay. I really like what you're doing. Um, I'm incredibly impressed by what you've built for $500,000. Yeah, inc- that is amazing. I, that's, that's impressive. Hardware's tough. Um, in my, my heart of hearts, I feel like your market is going to end up being more in the enterprise than it's going to end up being out on the trail. Um, but I think I want to invest either way. I think you'll figure it out. But I'd like to do a small check, like 25K or something, and start working together, and you know we can yeah, we be can there. definitely work something out there. Yeah, hardware's tough. You're going to yeah. need to raise that next round, too. Yeah, of course. So. Of course. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. After getting a commitment from Jake, James leaves the room. But the investors aren't done yet. I think the rental idea is great, right? Yeah. At, at the trailheads, at RE, local REI stores, at um, marinas, people going out on boats. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's a good rental market. But, yes. I, but I think it's going to be like the search and rescue, the firefighters and the utility workers. I think that's the bigger play. I do too, because then you get you get away from this like sort of non-recurring erratic revenue stream. I think search and rescue would be recurring. You know, They're not going to turn it off. Yeah, and you sign large multi-year mm-hmm. contracts. I just think about where we are right now, just New York State. The people that end up in the Catskills and there's no cell service, and that, right? And by the way, weekend skiers, states with seasons <laughs> where on weekends, I mean, any state tourism bureau, I mean, I, I sound the governor's tourism council here, I'm telling you. Those weekend folks would you could rent these things with. I think you would get, you would solve your question of erratic mm-hmm. revenue after a year or two of rentals because I think it would become reliant. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think he'll, he'll end up discovering a lot of sort of niche markets yes. that he can pursue. Each one yeah. is a different marketing challenge and different you know sales channel. But you know there are probably a lot of little or maybe not so little. Uh, niches that he can that he can pursue. He's a good salesman. Mm-hmm. For sure. He was knowledgeable. Coming up, something stops our founder dead in his tracks. I mean, since that day, I have not set up one more meeting. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. 
Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. When we left, James had just reeled in a commitment from one of the investors, Jake Chapman. Two months went by, and I called James for a fundraising update. What has happened since then? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun couple months. When I walked into the pitch, we had a fairly far along prototype that you know everything Jake commented. I'm I'm very shocked to see this level of fidelity. And so in that time, in the last two months, we've actually gone from that level of fidelity, which we were you know, extremely proud of, to a whole nother level of fidelity, which is production units. And so we're going to be shipping product at the end of September. And I, I couldn't be more thrilled to say that. When in September? Do you know? Do you have a date? I don't have a date. We're just saying end of September. But um, but yeah, it's it's happening. Got it. Um, so you were raising $2 million on the show. How is the round going? So, I mean, since that day, I have not set up one more meeting because I've literally just been heads down with product and manufacturing. Fortunately, we had the runway where we could push out the the fundraising a couple months. So you stopped fundraising? I mean, I, I came on the pitch, I gave one pitch, and then I, I did not take a single other meeting. Huh. And, and, and why again? So, uh, so a couple days after I got back from New York from the pitch, um, we had an opportunity come up, which was, it's a really exciting one that unfortunately I can't speak a ton to. Um, but yeah, there was a, people within the government reached out. They were excited about what we've been doing. And, um, this opportunity kind of presented itself that we just couldn't look away from. And so we've just been heads down trying to get products ready and out the door. Um, while also understanding uh, some of this new opportunity that is more of an enterprise type uh, type deal, um, but specifically with the government. Okay, so who vaguely in the government reached out to you? Yeah, um, so essentially it's, um, you know, when you think about the first responder market, there's of course local um, and then federal. And so when you think about uh, last year, a disaster like like in Puerto Rico and FEMA agents that are going into the field where you know, terrestrial networks are down, they have to be supported with reliable communications and connectivity. Oh, and gosh, so that's yeah. an opportunity that, where we could step in and provide a really fantastic experience for them um, that right now is, is lacking. So when the network goes down, when cell towers go down, how do you communicate? And so you have that, yeah. like somewhere can fill that gap. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, wow, a, it's a really exciting, it's a, an exciting opportunity because it, is something that, again, it, it comes from that same ethos of how can we take a kind of disaster scenario, right, and provide you know, real safety, real security, and, and real stability. And so then you hear this opportunity, and you've mentioned before that, like, there are lots of different enterprise opportunities that have presented themselves since you guys did the pre-launch. What was it about this that made you say, we're going to put everything else aside and focus on getting this 
contract fulfilled, getting units into the hands of this government entity. entity. This has always been something that's been in our head. And when the opportunity presents itself with almost, you know, zero sales effort, you have to just say the time is now, right? And you have to recognize that this opportunity doesn't come along always and, and you have to start moving. Yeah. Now there's also the argument that could be made that, okay, I assume that there was some sort of contract set up to say, we need this many units and we will pay you this much money uh, to deliver these units by this time. And so I've seen companies all the time or founders go and take that information, take that contract and leverage that to get the fundraising they need. Like, never mind whether you actually need it for the contract or not, but that's leverage you can use to raise the money you need to build the consumer side. Why not Why not do something like that? I mean, wh- when it's time to, to fundraise again, this will be part of the story, right? And the pitch will be, will be an evolution from the last pitch. Um, you know, I think that a company is always growing. And when you tell that story and you just have more proof points of, you know, when I said there are enterprise opportunities and I gave some examples, it's much more powerful to say, hey, here is an example that we're executing on, right? Now, that's actually pretty risky from a fundraising perspective. They say you're supposed to start fundraising like six to eight months before you actually run out of money because of how long the fundraising process is. Why is that not a concern for you? I think that business is about managing risk, right? And so when the right opportunities come, you have to you have to make that decision. And so for us, sacrificing two months to, uh, you know, two months to focus on really, really high value things it's only going to make the business stronger um, and it's, it's only going to set us up for success. And so um, for us, it was just the risk we're taking. I mean, Jake, he invested because he thought the bigger opportunity was these enterprise sales. He's like, you'll figure it out. I right. want to invest. I think in the end, <laughs> this is where it's going to be at is on the enterprise side of things. So uh, have you talked to him? Does he know what's going yeah, on? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been in discussion and um Still, still in discussion there. I'm, I'm meeting his partners in, I believe, two weeks. So excited to meet them. As of now, James and Jake are still working to get connected, which is ironic because Somewhere is all about connectivity. But clearly, James and his team are excited about the unusual path the company is taking. They're somehow stoked about putting their fundraising on hold, which is something you don't see every day. But hey, every company's path is different. Good luck, James. Hey, so I want to let you know we're gearing up for another taping event this November. So we're on the hunt for new and exciting startups, ideas, founders, and we need your help. If you know of a founder that we should invite to pitch our investors, send an email to the pitch at gimletmedia.com and include the subject line startup tip. Again, that's the pitch at gimletmedia.com, subject line startup tip. And thanks for listening. See you next week. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Molly Donahue, and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Blythe Terrell. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Musemaker, additional music by Bobby Lord. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch, 
we discovered somewhere because of an introduction from Nick Moran with New Stack Ventures. And our disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.